I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew the Evangelist, chapter 13, starting today in this new year in verse 44. It's been a few weeks since we were in Matthew 13 together. We were in Matthew last week for the baptisms, but we just jumped to the end of the book. The week before that was Christmas Sunday, so it's been a couple of weeks since we were in Matthew 13 together. You can sum up Matthew 13 with four words, parables of the kingdom, parables of the kingdom. Matthew 13 crams seven or eight of Jesus' parables into one chapter. It's the third major block of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. At this point in his ministry, Jesus almost exclusively was using parables, enigmatic stories, riddles short allegories to teach about Jesus' favorite subject. Let me ask you a question. What was Jesus' favorite subject to teach on? What was Jesus' favorite subject to teach on? It wasn't the cross. What was it? The kingdom. That's right. It was the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. There's another four words for you. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, was Jesus' favorite subject on which to teach. You remember how he began his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? It was a kingdom manifesto. Jesus described how he wants us to live as citizens of that upside-down, inside-out kingdom of heaven. And he taught us to pray. We just sang it to our heavenly Father. Your what? Kingdom come, your kingdom come. The prayer group on Wednesday night just went back over what we are to seek first. Above everything else that we might be tempted to run after, what was it? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Jesus loved to talk about the kingdom of heaven. And in chapter 13, He has been using a special kind of teaching to do it. He's been using parables. Jesus told his disciples that he was using parables so much because parables were the perfect kind of stories to both reveal his kingdom to those who trust and follow him and to conceal his kingdom from those who do not want it. For those who want the kingdom, they get the parables and they get the kingdom. But those who reject the kingdom, they don't get the parables and they certainly don't get the kingdom. Remember that? Get it, we said. Strangely enough, these parables, with their concealing and their revealing, actually revealed to us what is really going on in our world, because it's not always obvious. In fact, things are not always as they seem. Last time, we looked at the parables in verses 24 through 43 of this chapter, and we learned that the kingdom has come, is coming, and will come in all of its fullness. This kingdom does not operate on our time schedule. This kingdom does not operate as we might expect. But it has come, however small at first, as small as a divinely conceived embryo in Mary's womb. It is coming slowly but surely. and You have to have eyes to see it or ears to hear it. And one day it will come in all of its fullness. In verse 43, Jesus said, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father." We just sang about it, didn't we? His rule and reign will forever sing 
all glory be to Christ. That's what's really going on. Now today, I just want us to look at verses 44 through 52. There are, in these nine verses, four more parables. And they go over some of the same territory as the ones we've already been studying so far in chapter 13. These parables bring this section of Jesus' parabolic teaching to a fitting conclusion. And there's one major idea about the kingdom that is really emphasized in these nine verses. And that is this, that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is of supreme value. The kingdom of heaven is unimaginably precious. That's the main idea, especially of these first two parables. Let me read you the first one, and then we'll pray and get into it together. Do you have it? Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for all we've said and done this morning. It's been very full. Hearing about what's going on at the Next Gen Center, praying for our new year, our new officers, our new leaders, singing about your, your glory forever. Lord, focus in our minds now on just this one simple idea of the treasure of the kingdom. Help us to see it like we've never seen it, feel it like we've never feel, felt it, and adjust our lives accordingly. We pray this in the, in the name of our glorious Savior and our King, King Jesus. Amen. Now this is a crazy little story, right? The one I just read to you? Matthew 13, 44. It's really fun. We just studied, some of you will remember, we just studied it not that long ago when we did uh, parables at Family Bible Week, when we had the geocaching. You remember that hidden treasure? It's a very, very short story, but there's a lot in there, right? There's a treasure hidden in a field. Everybody likes buried treasure, right? This man finds it in the field. He hides it again in the field. He's very happy. He goes and sells all of his stuff, and he buys the field. End of the story. Get it? Now, don't get hung up on the legality of what the man did in this story. This parable is not here to teach the ethics of finding buried treasure. Jesus is not teaching about what to do and what not to do if you find treasure buried in a field. It was definitely legal what he did. And depending on the situation, could have been ethical as well. But even if it's not, it's not that's not the point. That's just a detail of the story, not the point. The point is just how valuable the treasure is. Did you see that in the story? This guy is so happy, right? In his joy, he's so happy to have found this treasure that he goes out and he sells how much of his stuff? Everything. Can you imagine that? I mean, do you... How much stuff do you got? Right? Imagine liquidating everything you have. Right? You go to the bank and you withdraw all the money you've got. You sell your house. You sell your vehicles. You, you, you cash in your retirement plan. You put every single thing you have into one cashier's check. And you go down to the realty office. 
And you say, I want to buy that field over there. Why? Because that one treasure that you know that's in the field is worth all of that and more. That's what this man did. Now, what is the treasure? Some people think that we are the treasure and that Jesus is the man in the story. And I get why they say that, because he gave his all for us. And of course, we could never purchase our salvation either. But I don't think that's where Jesus is going with this. All of the clues, especially in the context, point towards this treasure being the kingdom itself. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Now, before we camp on the idea of the supreme value of the kingdom, I want to point out again that the kingdom is hidden. Hidden like a seed in the ground. Remember that from a few times ago? Like, like a piece of yeast that's worked into the dough. Like um, the kingdom, this whole chapter has been about how the kingdom has a hiddenness to it. You would never expect it. But that's how it is. The kingdom of heaven is missable. It's findable, but it's also missable. The kingdom in its present form can be overlooked. Think about how many people might have walked right on by this treasure in the field. It was there all the time. But this guy stumbled upon it. Question, can you see the kingdom of heaven right now? A lot of people don't. Now one day it will be unmistakable when the mustard seed grows into the mustard tree and the birds of the air rest in its branches. But right now, there's a hiddenness to the kingdom. You've got to have eyes to see it. You've got to have ears to hear it or you might miss it. In the next story, the main character is actually searching. In, in the first story, the guy just stumbles upon the treasure by accident, but, but in the second one, this guy is looking for something special. Look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. See the same thing again? He's selling everything he has to get this pearl. Here's point number one. If you find the kingdom, you have found everything. If you, ha if, you have, if you find the kingdom, you have found everything. This merchant was willing to part with everything he had to possess that one pearl. Can you imagine? It was priceless. That's the kingdom. If you find the kingdom of heaven, you have found everything everything. I read this week, you know, I'm reading a book on the parables by Klein Snodgrass. I just like to say his name, Klein Snodgrass. It's an excellent book. In it, he tells a story of a man who found, he was a gym merchant, actually a gym merchant, and he had 10 bucks in his pocket, and he went to this uh, show. And at the show, he saw this one rock, and he knew what he was looking at. And he said to the, uh, he said to the guy, I understand you want 15 bucks for any rock in this box. Are you sure you want to sell me this rock for 15 bucks? And he gives him the guy the knowing look, you know. And the guy says, yeah, it's not as pretty as the other book, other rocks in the box. I'll give it to you for 10. 
He pulls out both fives, he gives them to him, and he walks off with something that's worth, which he knew was worth $2.1 million. Okay. Now, I'll bet that he would have been willing to go back home and sell everything he had to buy that rock, right? Even if the guy said, well, I don't know. Is it worth $100,000? Is it worth $200,000? He would have been, he would have gone home and figured out how he could get the $200,000 because he knew it was worth $2.1 million. Now, I've got your attention. What's the kingdom worth? What's the kingdom worth? If you find the kingdom, you have found everything. Now, the point of these two stories is not that we gain the kingdom by buying it with everything we have. You can't buy the kingdom. You can't earn enough to buy the kingdom. That's impossible. Jesus is not teaching how to gain the kingdom. He's just teaching us how valuable it is. It's worth absolutely everything. So the point is to treat the kingdom with the all-surpassing value that it truly has. To cherish the kingdom as the treasure that it really is. Do you have the kingdom? Then you have everything. Rejoice. And don't value anything above it. What's your favorite Christmas gift from this past year? I'm guessing that everybody here got something for Christmas, even if you had to buy it yourself and wrap it up for yourself. Ooh, I'll get myself a little something. So which present is your favorite? Don't say it out loud or you might offend one of your family members that's sitting next nearby. How much is that present worth to you? Is it worth all the other presents? Is it worth more than your house or your family or your job? You see, the kingdom of heaven is worth more than your house or your family or your job. The kingdom of heaven, that active reign and rule of King Jesus over his joyful people, over all of his renewed creation, is worth more than anything else. Because if you have this kingdom, you have The question is, do we treasure the kingdom? Do we act as if the, the kingdom is our treasure? Not can we buy the kingdom by selling all that we have. If we could, we should, because it's worth it, but we can't. But what we can do, what we can do is to show that we value it above everything else. How do you do that? How do you treasure the kingdom? Well, one way is to live out its values, right? You show that something is worth it if you live like it wants you to live. We treasure the kingdom when we live as citizens of the kingdom, when we live out the Sermon on the Mount, upside down, inside out. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You live like the first part of those beatitudes. You get the other side of the beatitude. That's treasuring the kingdom. Upside down, inside out, from the heart out. Where is your treasure? 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We treasure the kingdom as we live as citizens of this kingdom. Which, yes, includes the giving of our time and talents and other treasures. The question is, do we live our lives as if the kingdom was our all-surpassing treasure? Do we live as if the king of this kingdom, King Jesus, was the most important person in our lives? So this is the first Sunday of 2019. What needs to change in your life and mine in 2019 to show the world that the kingdom of heaven is our greatest treasure? That we have found it. That we get it. We found it. We get it. We have found Jesus and his kingdom. And our lives show it. Because there's a flip side to this truth. And Jesus gives it as a warning in the next parable. Look at verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's put it this way. If you find the kingdom, you've found everything. But Kevin, next slide. If you miss the kingdom, you've lost everything. If you miss the kingdom, you have lost everything worth having. Now this parable, the parable of the net, is, is a lot like the one about the wheat and the weeds, isn't it? That we saw a couple parables ago. It's just it's fishing instead of farming. And it's focused on, on the part of the story which is the end of history when the kingdom comes. When that happens, there will be a great sorting This dragnet goes down into the water and brings everything up, all kinds of fish. I read this week that there are at least 24 kinds of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And then there is a sorting, a judgment. Good fish in baskets, bad fish, which are unclean fish or inedible fish or rotten fish, whatever. The bad fish are thrown away. And Jesus explains the parable very clearly. The good fish are the righteous The bad fish are the wicked. The righteous are those who belong to the kingdom. They're the ones who are trusting in Jesus and cherishing Jesus and treasuring Jesus and his kingdom. And the wicked, they're the ones who couldn't care less. They're the ones who have rejected the kingdom, overlooked the kingdom, didn't get the kingdom, didn't want the kingdom, didn't live out the values of the kingdom. They lived what seemed right side up to them and from the outside only. And Jesus says they will go into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you miss the kingdom, you've lost everything. Don't miss it. Turn from your sins and trust in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for sinners like you and me. This kingdom is given to those who know they are not worthy of it, but still want it. And who trust in the king and his sacrifice for him to give it to them. Remember, the kingdom may be hidden right now, but it's findable. And one day it will be all that there is. And those who have not joined the kingdom now will not be a part of it then. One more before we go to the table. 
Jesus asks them a question. Verse 51. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. And I think they're probably overestimating how much they truly understand. But they're beginning to get it too, I think. Okay, Jesus says, verse 52. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Last parable, and here's the point. Number three, Kevin. If you know the kingdom, you should share it with everyone. If you know the kingdom, you should share it with everyone. Jesus says, it's great that you've got it. The mysteries of the kingdom are opening to you, but you're not supposed to keep them to yourself. If you know the kingdom, you should share it with everyone who needs to hear about it. He says, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven, who's that? That's you. That's us now. We've been told about the kingdom of heaven is like, here's the parable, the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Do you ever go over to somebody's house and they show you everything they got? Like they give you the tour. Hey, let me show you my, let me show you my gun safe, right? Let me show you my mounts over here. Let me take you out to the garage. Let me show you what I got over here in the garage, right? Because they're proud of it. They want to they show, it, show it to you. You, you want to see it too, right? I got some great old stuff. Let me show you my coin collection, right? I think here the old stuff is the Old Testament. All the promises in it are true and coming true. All of what the Old Testament taught about the kingdom will be fulfilled. Here it is. Let me show you. But that's not all I got. Let me show you this treasure too. I got something new. Let me show you what I got for Christmas, right? You see the word treasure in the verse? I got some new stuff here. Parables. Parables that say that the kingdom may not come like you would have expected by reading your Old Testament. Oh, it's all that. It's all of what the Old Testament said, but it's hidden. It's missable. It's quiet, like a seed, like yeast, like treasure buried in a field, like a pearl among a bunch of other pearls. It's like that too. So you've got to look for it. So I want you to see this. Let me tell you about it so that you see it too. Let me tell you about it so you find it too. Let me tell you about this treasure so you treasure it too. Friends, in 2019, let's tell the world about the kingdom of heaven. Let's not keep this to ourselves. It's too good to keep to ourselves. Let's pull out the old and pull out the new and tell people about the treasure of the kingdom.